0: Adelina, welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself, please?
1: Oh, thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I run a company called The Geek Whisperer. I'm Adelina Chalmers, as you'll probably see from the links that Ryan will put under this episode. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And Geek Whisperer does essentially four key things. We do one to one advisory for CTOs. It could be first-time CTOs, but we've worked with CTOs from 10 people to 100,000 people. We do technical audits, which are essentially, we review the architecture if you need it, as, for example, one CTO is leaving and another one is arriving, or if you're buying a company. We also do engineering reviews. So, for example, if the CTO has left and you have a non-technical board who have no idea what to do next, we uh, might have several consultants that can do an engineering review to tell you what's the best way forward and what sort of people you should be hiring. And then the other thing we do is kind of leadership training, but also internal engineering engagement programs, especially of the company has gone from, for example, engineering R&D led to a commercial entity that, you know, needs to produce a product now because investors are not going to invest unless there's a product on the market.
0: Interesting. So I'm going to challenge something that you said to me a couple of times now that you don't understand. You're not the right person for value. And in the value series because everything you say there is everything that i've done in my personal capacity but it's driven by value because
1: but it was about it digital value and that's where i'm going
0: well yeah but, but values okay value for me is value it's it's across the board you know you your how you define value that and, and the reason why we don't say return on investment and we say return on value is because there's not always about just a commercial money thing uh-huh. your return on yeah. value could be a risk mitigation it could be productivity it could be organizational structure it, it can be any thing that part of the conversation is what is the value of doing this why are we doing this
1: i agree with that 100 percent. i mean i i have to tell you the so i don't do all of this alone by the way of course not. i eat it i sell it but i have you know colleagues that do for example the architecture there's no way on earth i would have the skills to do a a tech audit it <laughs> I just thought that's not who I am you know also the engineering review my colleagues can do that better than I can so again yeah, oh, of course yeah I have yeah but yeah no I agree with you I mean value is and this is I would say probably one of the the key weaknesses of a lot of ctos that I've worked with uh, and obviously my view of ctos might be skewed here because of that but one of the key weaknesses I've noticed is they don't often think about technology in the context of business outcomes, profit, customer acquisition, customer retention. It's just saying, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm going, hang on, hang on. That's not just everyone else's job. Your entire job in technology is to make sure that that happens because often without your technology, they have nothing. There's no company. It doesn't exist.
0: Oh, you're 100% right. I have this conversation also often. And I'm the same as you. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an expert at everything. i was also bringing the right people to do the right things. And, and it's one of the reasons why... I've driven the value execs community because I wanted people that that are those experts so that I, you know, if someone comes to me and says I need this thing, and I go well, that's not my, I can't help you there. I these can now point them to somebody that I know and go yeah yeah you know Roger's the right guy, that's his thing. Let me introduce you, and I think that's the way you've got to be in this world that we that we're in because there's just so much stuff to know. You cannot be an expert at everything. And I think there's a there's a there's an expertise to to knowing when you're not an expert and also knowing how to step back and just join the dots together and say, you know what, we need an expert on legal crypto, or whatever, or we need an expert on HR and wherever. And a technical background will help you because you're using these tools that, that don't work very well and we won't name, mention any names. But you know, having that having that little bit of substance to say, I know that this is not actually just an accountant that you need. We need an accountant who understands SAP or understands SysPro, understands whatever Dynamics is called their new version of, of the ERP system. And, th- and that's fine too, you know, having that that level versus the thing. But your point around struggling with, with technical people to understand commercial value and outcomes is a very difficult one. I mean, I've had this conversation a few times this week where the, the argument has been about the technical complexity of doing something versus the, the business value down the road of doing it right the first time and spending a little bit extra time now where it might feel like we're going to upset a customer yeah well the customer will be upset that's fine we can manage that expectation if we know that when we get to the the future thing we're we're going to be 10x better and have not the technical debt which is what we end up with all the time because we avoid the complicated thing up front and yeah it's just that and, I, and I, think, I think
1: one of the challenges is, which is the reason of my post today on LinkedIn, is that a lot of CTOs don't realize that they need to be telling stories about yes. what what this will get us. You know, and, and I think a lot of the and I was the same, by the way, I'm not going to lie. I was exactly Oh, yeah, yeah, we're all there. The yeah. Yeah. But one, of the, one of the problems is that you, when you work in engineering, you know, I'm not studying maths, you know, it's, it's, it's very black and white. It's either two or a four. You're not. Sure, you don't. You, you don't say. Oh, it could be a three. Well, if it could be a three, it must be one. You know, two plus one or whatever. But you can't. You know. So we like to have precision. We like yeah. to have kind of confidence and safety in exact numbers. And the problem yeah. is that when you are working towards a vision, there is no exact number. I mean, <laughs> you know, when Bill Gates set up Microsoft, he didn't say we're going to have five billion computers on every desk. He just said. There would be a computer on every desk. We didn't know how many desks there would be. That was just yeah. a kind of an a, a vision, right? And it's the same here is that a lot of CTOs think, well, I don't know the exact number, and I would be lying if I would say it would be this number. And I'm going, but can you can you estimate a number? You know, can you come up with something that is likely to be right, considering the situation, the context, the da 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 da. Oh yeah, but that I could be lying. Would be lying then. So, no, you're not lying. <laughs> So that, I find that fascinating and at, at all levels this is not just first-time CTOs
0: by the way oh no no look it could be anybody I mean I've got someone who's not a CTO who's exactly like that and, and you know there's a bit of the German heritage coming through sometimes and she's also built satellites and stuff like that so you have to yeah. be very exact but as you will know building software is not an exact thing no because, because you could change it in a second from one thing to another you tend to become a lot more fluid and, and and it takes it and it's a, an adaptation for people to 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 accept that that actually you know timelines will shift because the need has changed and if you're working you know agile doesn't necessarily mean you know flexibility to the to the nth degree but it does mean constant feedback and also being aligned with the business that potentially is also changing and you know I was just talking to my product managers this morning and we were talking about the priorities and I said so okay we have to change all those priorities now because we've now decided to do a different thing. We're not changing the core essence of what we do. We're still doing what we do, but the mm-hmm. priorities are now that that thing you've put in three months from now is actually we need that like that we need yesterday, and mm-hmm. and because now the strategy's changed, we need to we need to enable that strategy for the business. And she deals with it very well, so it's not a problem. But I've had people that will fight you, <laughs> tooth and nail, because yeah. the contract with the customer says this, and I've, and we'll say no, but you got you know we can manage the expectation with the customer. As long as we're transparent and we explain, and we don't have to explain all the dirty laundry, just explain there's the good there's a good value position to why we're doing That's this.
1: Right, the value position. That's the thing you've you just raised several important points. Two of which I remember just now. One of them was the fact that I think a lot of CTOs in particular struggle with negotiation and with conflict. The adaptability. Yeah, because the negotiation is a minor but a minor source of conflict. And the other one is the fact that when you're in a startup which doesn't have product market fit, Mm. every week, every every month, every quarter, if you're lucky, things change. And therefore, the priority that was yesterday, a priority, is no longer a priority. And that kind of constant course shifting and constant need to adapt is exhausting to people it's exhausting to engineers in particular and they need a very skilled leader to smooth out that insane ride that engineering is taken on in that kind of scenario that that's hmm. something that i've noticed a lot what, what do you think
0: no you're right and i mean i was, I was sitting in a call yesterday and someone said to me oh well we need to see the roadmap for the next six months <laughs> and i tried and I, and I tried very hard not to laugh because I was like, you know what? In in just in the short time I've been involved with this, if I did a roadmap now, I'd be changing that roadmap literally four times a day. Yeah. Because yeah. as much as we say things are like we're we're doing this thing and we're going down a route, the roadmap is is this is the little things that you have to deliver all the way along, and those priorities change are changing dynamically right now. So I'm waiting as long as I can to not publish something. I've said I'll do it at the end of this month. But even then, it's going to be a high-level milestone-based plan because, you know, we're, at this stage, we're customer-driven. We're not driven by by a big seed round of, you know, a couple million and we can, you know, do do customer stuff, but then also do the core cool stuff we need to do. We still have to deliver on customer stuff. So, yeah, and and, and people, some people don't like that, that ambiguity of life. And I think we saw it a lot during COVID, when there was no end inside of all the lockdowns and uh-huh. people were struggling with this working from home and they were so used to being in an office and they, they had that cohesiveness that they could go lean on somebody and have a cigarette or have a cup of coffee and talk to them and, and kind of feed it out. Then they were sitting at home by themselves and going, I'm really struggling with this thing and I'm getting anxiety from it. And, and, you know, I think there's people that adapt that stuff well and people that don't, and wow. you got to help the ones that don't to, 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 to be better at I guess.
1: And i mean oh gosh, you've touched on other topics. <laughs> I'd love to unpick, but I'm not. I'm not sure which which of these are are kind of areas of
0: priority go, for your audience. Go, go go the way you want to go. Well,
1: you know, you mentioned that you know people working alone from home and struggling. I mean, I worked at the company that during lockdown, which was you know it was illegal for people to go into the office. You know, there were people breaking into the office because they wanted. Wow to be yeah. away from, and they were penalized for it because they wanted to be away from the screaming wife and kids or screaming kids really and then obviously then now the tide has shifted that the people who want to work remotely have the privilege of extra rooms and whatever and then they don't want to go back into the office so it's and i think this kind of blanket you know and you hear mixed messages of leaders know secretly that actually you know people don't want to return to the office and then leaders oh expect everyone the next three years to be full-time five days a week back in the office and i i actually want to ask you a question and see what you think of this because i was discussing this with one of my colleagues the pattern that i've noticed with regards to leaders who expect people to be in the office they're usually over 50 55 (laughs) they're usually people you you know who worked 20 30 Forty years in the, you know, before internet was really, you know, able to help you. What do you think? Is that is that pattern that that we were discussing Uh, true? What do you think?
0: So I think there's a few things to it. So so one, yes, I think there is a a cultural stereotypical bunch. Let's call cohort of people that are like that. No doubt about it. I've I've worked with two guys that were sea captains. So they were at sea for twenty five years. And yeah. we used to have in the beginning and, and they're both good friends of mine now, but in the very beginning of getting to know them, they used to freak out with me from working from home Yeah, and they wanted me yeah. to be in the office. And I used to say to them often, like, you know, you've got to understand for me to come to the office is is a two hour loss of productivity for yeah. for me to sit at my desk and do phone calls that I could have done at home. But from their point of view it was they are so used to having a crew of 26 people at their beck and call for six months at a time
1: yep
0: and and that physical I, I want and, and you know the one guy would say to me I just want to be able to look up and talk to you and I'd say but you can yeah. look up and type a message to me or you could look up and press the, the <laughs> call button and you could see me. it's the same thing yeah. It's like, yeah. like, but but it, where, 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 where I think there is the, and this is why I've always been a fan of hybrid work. You know, I mean I, and when we lived in South Africa, before we moved here, you know, I worked in an office every day, and I used to drive through a lot of traffic. And in South Africa, you could do phone calls and stuff, so it wasn't a complete waste of your time, because you would do stuff on the move. Yeah. But I used to sleep at my at my desk. I used to sleep under my desk sometimes because the drive home was a waste of productivity time sometimes, or drive to work, and, and and that was a really you know tough period. But the point I was going to get to is that when before we moved to this country, we lived in, in the UK, obviously, I used to get up at four in the morning. I used to work till seven on all the stuff that needed brain work. I used to go to gym seven to eight. I used, oh, I used to go play golf from seven to nine, you know, hit nine holes or sometimes even a little bit more, see some customers like in and around where I needed to be. I'd be home by three, I'd do some more work or whatever I had to do, but I had complete autonomy on my time and where I spent it. And I was hugely productive, like, mm. like extremely productive. And then I got to the UK and I was working for one of the big banks and we were building all the technology to allow you to work on any device, any time, anywhere. That was our motto. But we had to be in the office five days a week. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually uh, said to my boss, said to my boss, like, "This is stupid. Like, how how do we know this shit works? Like, how do we know that it works from anywhere, any de- Like, if I go down to the Starbucks down there,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> how do I know it's going to work? No, yeah. we, well, you know, there's other people testing that. I'm like, yeah, but that's not how, that's not the like like those people testing it." I'm going to do the typical thing that a tester does. They will go down to the, the coffee shop. They'll open up, they'll connect, they'll press one, two things, and they'll disconnect and say, it works.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the real test is that I we used to live in Kettering, which was north uh, an oh, hour and a half, right? yeah, like an hour train ride north. And because we weren't allowed to have laptops, we had to use this VDI infrastructure. You had to connect in to your remote session to do your work because you You wouldn't. You know, there was nothing to carry. So I used to have I bought a board laptop for myself and whatever. And I said that's the test. can I go on a train ride from London mm-hmm. to Kettering because that was my station, and can I work and I can't work because the connectivity is shit you know that's mm-hmm. that's before now i mean it's even it's even worse now it was it was probably usable then so to answer your question i i I think there is there are some jobs that you have no choice you have to be in the office,
1: of course, especially like you know but, a lot of hardware design stuff I mean you know yeah. of course
0: yeah. but but I think. You know the the key thing for me, and it's always been about this: if you trust your employees to be adults and to behave like adults, then they will give you high productivity. If you mandate things, you get the complete opposite. Yes. You need physical interaction, no doubt about it. I'm, I'm losing a staff member now because we're a remote team, and she needs she needs an office. She needs she needs to socialize with people, or so. And mm-hmm. I said, look, I can't give you that. Like for me to go and meet you once a week is like an hour and a half drive for either one of us. You know, I'm happy you know, happy to put you in a shared working space, but just a little bit in your own because you have to get to know you know, it's not it's not She needs to go to a bigger company. Yeah. So you, you 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 do need those things. And I think for for young people that are starting off in their careers that don't know how to manage themselves. And I'm seeing yeah. it with another friend friend of mine's kid that's running our community, like he literally needs to be taught how to prioritize his work. He has no idea. He's very good to yeah. go and study stuff. He's, you know, very highly a very intelligent guy, but I've seen just in a month, like how little he understands to how to prioritize tasks and how to like, just cause we talk about it now does not mean it's the most important thing in the room.
1: Yes. Yeah. So
0: that's that little bit of experience. So these are all things to it to a thing. So I think, having people in the office of that stuff that's why i think hybrid makes sense and i've noticed that like i go into the into london once a week and i go to a friend of mine's house for to work a day a week with a whole bunch of other people that just gets you that little bit of human contact and share some stories and stuff and this is so i was never completely for like work from home five days a week i always always was the opinion that you go to the office for a reason which is we're going for a workshop. We're going to go do these things. This is a meeting we do in person because we need that stuff. That makes sense to me. But the mandated, you know, be in the office five days a week, never made sense to me. When I was working for one of the other banks, we literally had a six-floor building of all the technology, and we'd all sit on the meeting in, over Skype for business in the same building. But because you didn't have time between your meetings to actually meet to go meet in person you'd be in the same building, but you'd be talking to the the only time you saw each other was when you walked out the building at the end of the day and gone, yeah, we should have just done that meeting in person. Like, yeah, but then there's no time to get to the other meeting with the other guys. So yeah, yeah. I I think people need to be adults. That's, 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 is. I
1: think you, you, I think to be honest, you hit the nail on the head there. And I, you know, I had this conversation with the CTO this week. They were complaining that their engineers are behaving like 12 year old children. And I was saying, well they are behaving like 12 year old children because everything has been top down maybe it's not top down now that you joined but be- the previous CTO was top down and when you treat people like children they act like children it's it's as simple as that you know because then it's not their responsibility it's not you know they feel like they feel entitled to act like that as well and you know it's 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 a chicken and egg situation you know if you don't trust people you don't you don't trust people. If you don't trust people, you don't trust people. You know, if you don't give people enough kind of autonomy and and kind of empowerment to get stuff done. Well,
0: yeah, and, and it's funny you say that because I think there are people that don't want to be empowered. I think there are people that like to be told what to do. And
1: but then the sort of people you want.
0: Well, and, and and this is the interesting thing. I was, I, I mean, I, I saw this on, I think it was Instagram or something, a little short where the guy said. difference between the military and a business is in the military you have leaders in the business you have bosses and and what he was saying which i think it was which is exactly what you're saying is in the military the the head person will come and say here's the problem to his direct reports or her direct reports and say how are you going to solve it come back to me with a plan and then all the people that are involved come back with a plan. And these are the experts in the field. What happens mm-hmm. in a business often is the boss comes in and says, here's the problem. Here's how I want to solve it. Go execute the plan. And
1: <laughs> yes.
0: and, and the people around the room, and I mean, I've seen this with a few customers, they bought technology and they've literally said to me, well, I didn't want this technology. My boss bought this technology and told me to use it. And then we're sitting with this thing a year later and they haven't adopted it because they never wanted the technology in the first place. And in some cases, the job security, to, mm-hmm. to not use the technology. In some cases, it's, well, it was forced on me. Why would I want to use this? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it, the amount of, yeah, the amount of, it, you know what I find amazing is that people often don't even realize that they're being talked down. They mm. often seem to think that top down means having a harsh tone. You can be talked <laughs> down and have a very soft tone. <laughs> but it's still yeah. you know, it's just the approach and one of the things I've noticed in a lot of CTOs that I work with has been that, well, I told them this is what we need to do. So why are they upset about it? So well, you haven't won them over. You never told them mm. why you're doing this. You never try to explain what is the business problem you're trying to solve by pushing everyone in the office five days a week exactly. You know, yeah. and, and that's the thing that I find shocking. It's just like the but this—it's almost like they assume that because you mentioned something once, that's it. They will agree with you automatically on everything just because you're the boss. That is the essence of talk down. Yeah. Uh, and I—I I just find that fascinating that just communicating once to people, there's—you know—there's no acknowledgement or or awareness that you need to win people over. You know, this is not 200 years ago where people were desperate in doing stuff and I, it's just not.
0: <laughs> well, uh, well, I mean, 200 years ago, and I don't, don't know if you've ever read the uh, 48 laws of power by uh, what's his name? Robert Greene, do yourself a favor. It's, it's a really good, good book. And, and he, a lot of his, he he basically explains the law of power and explain, but the, the example is historically based. And when you read, when you read the law and you read the power and you're like, holy cow, I understand now. Now going back to your example of 200 years ago, a lot of the time those people in the power was because if you didn't do what they told you you were going to eat or you wouldn't have shelter or you'd be killed by the army that they had you know I mean Shark Zulu would kill people if they showed any pain when they're running on thorns you know they'd stare oh. them with a spear so you know he had, had an army because you know he, he ruled by fear and, and and he got beaten up by every tribe down the coast of Africa but yeah that's a separate story but the, the point that you're making which I totally agree with and, and this is something that took me a long time to learn and, and coming from South Africa, we'll be very direct and very blunt.
1: Which I actually prefer, to be honest. I much prefer it. Well, them, so let's be frank. Well, well, well,
0: well where, where are you from originally? Because you've also got a bit of a twang to your accent. So.
1: I mean, I, I was born in Romania, but I don't feel Romanian. I never have. Um, yeah. but I, and I, to be honest, my Romanian is rubbish. I've never worked there. I have no idea what they're like when they work. But yeah, I I always felt that you have to be democratic. You know what I mean? But I, yeah. I also like i mean i'm i'm on I'm the spectrum right so i like to be more direct i do i do like because i sometimes can't guess what people are thinking you know i can't guess what, what yeah. this mean you know yeah. i much prefer to just tell me tell me what it is you know rather than oh well, we're the
0: same yeah. yeah yeah so what so so when you say on the spectrum what, is it the autistic spectrum the asperger's the adhd the
1: i mean i de- definitely autistic spectrum you know i have lots of traits women's traits i think i didn't realize i had for a long time until my fiance pointed it out <laughs> with a book written for autistic women I was like, ah, tick 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 yeah yeah wow. yeah it was like but because you know as a woman it's different than you know it manifests differently than in a man it's it was hard to identify but yeah sorry go on
0: no no it's fine i mean but well so so you know i am um... Mine has been diagnosed with ADHD, but I definitely think there's other things that I have on that. I'm very and and what you were saying about I don't know what other people are thinking. Like I have this, my wife and I fight about this all the time. When she's subtle about something, yes, I completely (laughs) it doesn't mean anything to me. Like me, so I say to her things like, "If you want me to do something, just talk to me about it."
1: Tell me, yeah. And
0: also, don't don't come and tell me like twenty things at the same time, because the minute you go past three, it's it's all, all gone. gone. It's all gone. Forget about the three yeah. things. It's all gone now. Now now I'm now I'm, you know my brain has already gone to the other things that has that that's been that's there. Yeah. You know, the working memory is now focused on something else. And it's it's tough. I mean it's it is a very tough thing. But what I was so gonna I say is that
1: in our family, in yeah, my fiance and I, he says, You are always so subtle, and by that means I'm hyper direct <laughs> about everything. Well
0: Yeah, so when I moved to the when I moved here from South Africa. I actually got pulled aside after about my first week and said by somebody and said, listen, you've been very harsh in those meetings. And I was like, harsh. I don't even, I thought I was being pretty gentle. Like I hadn't even got to the, the half party yet. You know, I said, I was, I, I was laughing when I said that thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, no. In this country, you, you've got to be a little bit more like around the bush. Yeah. You know, you've got to talk yeah. like, like whatever. And you cannot hold people to account. You cannot, you cannot say, cause you said, you do this, that, yes. you, that the person's going to do it. You can't say yes. that. So like, no. well, then how do, how do you get anything done?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, I was really, it's like, like thing. And then I learned, I learned that the trick, which, which I, I'm actually coaching somebody now on at the moment, I said to him, what you got to do is you got to actually speak to the people before the meeting. Just phone them for 10 minutes, have a chat to them, tell them what, like, ask them a few questions about what, you know, what they think about the meeting and then just tell them what you're going to be, you know, based yeah. on what they say, you know, what your angle is going to be and yeah. get their feedback on it. And you got to do, if there's 15 people and you don't want that, obviously that people in the meeting, but if there's a few people to talk to, you need to do it to the majority of it because yeah. the meeting is not where the decision is made,
1: No, the
0: meeting is already, you know, the meeting is for everyone else to know what's being decided. And there'll be a few people that won't be on board with it, but by then it's too late. And he's really struggling with this concept. And I was like, but why, 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 he said, no, but the whole point of having the meeting with everyone so they can discuss this. Yeah. But the problem is when you put them in that forum, it's an ego thing then, or it's that all yeah. the, all the, all the other things come out because now they don't want to show weakness. They don't want to do this, you know, and yeah. you, you just become the whipping boy
1: yeah. because
0: you've tabled this thing because you haven't given them time to, you know, like if you've got the deck and I remember a CEO that I was working with a long time ago, So you cannot send me a deck the day before and expect me to read it. Like you need to give me at least three days, four days. And even then I might not read it. So, you know, if you want to have this meeting, you've got to give people three or four days of thing to talk, like you've got to tell them the thing. They might freak out, they might not, whatever it is. But then you need to give them time to digest it and also to talk to their people about this thing. Because you might have completely rocked their world or or repositioned things. And they need to get like if, if you, if you leave it to that forum where you're now dumping this new idea on them, you're getting probably get no, no adoption of it or no buying because they've got to go talk to their key people. Cause they'll be yeah. like, I'm just the boss here or the leader. I don't know how to solve this problem. So I don't know what you're saying is even right or wrong. I need to have John here. John knows this stuff. So now you delay the whole thing because now John has to be involved. John has yep. to be brought up to speed. And then you end up with this, this trying to move Titanic feeling. And it fizzles out dies. Yeah. Because now everyone's been pulled in unwillingly versus mm. if you just gave them a heads up, this is what I want to do, da, da, da. And they've had time to talk to John. And by the time it gets to that meeting, John's had 10 ideas. He's come in. He's armed his boss with the 10 ideas. Or Jill's come in with 20 ideas and whatever it is. So that person comes in going, you know what? Actually, my team's already bought into this. We're in. Like, I'm going to give you Jack and Jill, with John and Jill, whatever it is. Mm. And we're, we're in it. Then the other people in the room are like, yeah, we're also in it because – is momentum and it completely changes the game
1: oh absolutely absolutely and it, this is the thing is these kind of soft political things that a lot of i'd say engineering folk don't necessarily or science science background folk as well don't necessarily get and it puts them at a the disadvantage because you know they just go good and guess the other thing is I've, I've noticed is that i mean i so in 2019, just before COVID hit, I interviewed lots of CEOs about their perspective on the CTO and the yeah. CTO role and everything. The theme that emerged from all of those meetings was that CEOs felt the CTO was a junior, or near, sometimes not junior, but non-business-like person at the table that they have to have in the C-suite because they are the ones who created the technology or they have to have in the c-suite because it's a technical product it's a platform it's a SaaS, it's a this it's a that and without that they don't have a product and that's why they have to involve them but they don't want to involve them because they don't speak the same language and that was a huge wake-up call for me because i didn't realize it was so spread i mean it was like 90 percent of the CEOs said that
0: yeah and and the market hasn't helped that because if you go look at the average cto role it's really a tech lead role that's been given a better title also you know, in a lot of companies, when it came to choosing the person at the senior level to be the technical person or technology person, they'd pick the most senior who's been there the longest technical person, who typically was a, an infrastructure person or a developer, who didn't have any of those skills or knowledges, and, and, and they just were, you know, what's the word, not expendable, uh, indispensable. And they didn't want to lose them, so they gave them more responsibility. But actually, what they did is gave the person who didn't want that gig probably the wrong yep. thing—square peg, round hole—and then that scared off all these other people who were not technical, because what your point is, they don't speak the same language, and it's it kind of scuppers the role. So that so then you have the CIO role, which which you know even that is sometimes considered to be the bigger role than the CTO role. And if you actually look at technology and how that's become. So split. I mean, you have a CISO, you have a security, you have a, you know you have risk, you have obviously t- you know digital products. So that typically would be your, your CTO thing because you're building technology solutions. But now that's also could be a CPO in the sense of product owner. You can have a digital officer, you can have a data officer, you can have a privacy officer, you can have you know you could just have all these c levels, which dilutes uh-huh. the role of technology, but not because technology is not it's a big thing. It's because technology is embedded in everything. So actually what, yes. what has, has to happen in some respect is the the other Cs, CEO, COO, CFO, whatever, CHRO or, C, or people officer, have to become more technology savvy, which means they actually need to be, develop better relationships with the technology leadership and vice versa. There has to be that, that, that translation. And that's why some CTOs are successful and some fail dismally. Because they can cross that bridge over, yeah. and some and, and a good CIO can become a good CEO, or a good yeah. CEO, yeah. But but a CEO and a CEO doesn't necessarily become a good CIO. No. Oh, I no.
1: mean, yeah. Sorry, go
0: ahead. No, no, that's it. I don't know what you think. I mean, but that that's kind of my rough.
1: Yeah, I with. mean, so you know, I heard I was at the an engineering conference a few months ago, and I was hearing the CTOs on the panel talking about how the investors and the board need to be educated and educate themselves about engineering and i just thought that is never going to happen i mean honestly realistically you know there's a lot more of them than there are of you therefore you as the cto should learn it should should be able to teach them why they should care and teach them mm. how engineering works and teach them the value that the engineering is bringing to the product to the company to this to that I hate to say it, but I just can't see how these people will ever learn how engineering works to bridge that gap on behalf of the CTO instead of the CTO doing it themselves. i have not seen a shred of evidence of that yet.
0: Yeah. And and I'll I'll be honest. I mean, you know, that one guy that I was speaking about in in the the, the captain, I mean, he, he was a fascinating guy. Look, you know, he didn't have kids, so he had time, but he would go and do all the training courses he could do. So he did a training course on product. He did a training course on being technical. He wrote some code. Like he went through all the stuff he was learning. Yeah. And he is so well equipped to have a conversation with anybody because he just knows enough to do yeah. that translation and to understand so when i you know when we first met started talking about stuff he didn't have a clue and then after about three months he'd come to me and say you know what? now i understand what you're trying to tell me i now get it and it is as simple as you're saying but i couldn't understand because i didn't have that background and it's it's sometimes it's 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 a spending enough time with somebody taking uh-huh. a journey which you know, which can be difficult depending on how much how much time either party has but also it's about a, a mutual learn each other's business or, or point of view and then have that discussion and 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 uh, that's also yeah, uh, okay uh, I feel
1: like you have to challenge this but realistically i mean this guy is an outlier he's exceptional he's amazing. Yeah, he is. yeah completely. and he's great you know and, and i wish everybody else was like him but from my experience reality says that especially HR people, probably marketing, that they would not be bothered to try and go to a coding course or something like that to understand what it's like to code, you know, or to understand what the engineers are going through. And that's why I think it's so important for the CTO to take on that translation role and be very, very good at it.
0: Well, well, it's funny because I actually put a board through one day coding course many years ago. Mm-hmm. Because they were bitching and moaning about how long it takes to write code to build this piece of software. It's not—it's so easy. Why? Why can't you just build this thing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, you get—you get, you get abused a few times. And you said, you know what? Actually, I'll—I'll I'll show you how difficult it is. And we—and we, and we played—we we played with logo. remember old logo? You know, RT ninety, FT ten, whatever it was. We put them through yeah. that kind of thing. And after that, it wasn't like an open admission by everyone, but you could see in the in the next meeting it was a little bit less argumentative and a little bit more, okay, so tell us how you're going to achieve this. What is it? like, you know, it was, it was just the, the, a little bit of the penny had dropped to say, actually, this is not as easy as I thought. Cause we said, yeah. like, this is how we teach a bunch of kids how to code right. and we're not, and we're not kids building code, like we're, you know, building software. And I think you've got to sometimes do that kind of stuff. And I think that's where the, again, the the, the personality of the CTO has to be one that's an integrator or, or a, a collaborative person and, and willing to be a little bit, honestly, I don't want to use the word outlier again, but a little bit willing to do stuff that is not normal. Yeah. To to try and bridge those gaps. Because I think it is it is trying to get a respect at the table, much like you buy the first round of drinks when you're new, new to the company or something like that for the people so that they, they know you're prepared to, to chip in. Yeah. Even if you don't drink. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's funny you say that because obviously I never drink. Right. Yeah, I always felt <laughs> I was thinking that, yeah. I'm glad you said it. I was thinking yeah, I I never drink.
0: Yeah. I'm not No, like I don't I don't drink either. And and you yes. know, we got we'll go for we'll go for dinner with people and they'll be like, what wine should we have? And I'll be like, Well I can pick the wine if you want, but you know, I don't I'm not gonna drink it.
1: Saying, yeah, me either. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's funny, so- isn't it, how all these kind of things you know go I was seeing one of an internal article one of my clients sent me, and he was saying something about doing pizza days and ice cream days or something. And I was just thinking, yeah, yeah. all of that is carbs. I can't have. I can have yeah. some of the ice cream, but you know, like. And I was thinking. <laughs> They don't think that you know that they wouldn't even think that that excludes anybody. But you know, if we go into, it's like so many things are based on carbs, alcohol, pizza, you know, all of these kind of <laughs> sweet things. That honestly, I yeah. Anyway, that's another story for
0: another day. No, but but, uh, but well, it, yeah. And I mean, yeah, my, you know, my wife and I talked about this yesterday. She was supposed to go to a company thing in Sunbury and to play putt putt, and she's like, oh, you nuts. know, to play putt putt, you know, mini golf
1: okay yeah, got, yeah. Yeah. We need to, yeah yeah so i didn't know it's called fat bath as
0: well sorry I'm yeah fat well fat. it's yes yeah. so in south africa we have we have many names for things that that uh, are different
1: Uh-oh,
0: like we okay. call we call we call traffic lights robots
1: you call them what robots
0: robots yeah traffic lights are robots lift elevators are lifts Yeah. That, there's a couple yeah. other things corn yeah corn on the cob we call it a, that's a mealy so, a mealy call it a mealy yeah. okay yeah M M I E L L I E. Okay. So we have lots of different names for for things, but anyway, so
1: or-
0: yes, yeah, yeah, we all are. Okay. Kids are as well. But they they we, we're dual nationals, so we have both passports. But yeah, so we're just saying that like they were doing this team building thing to go play mini golf, and she said, but I don't even like golf. And this is the thing sometimes is that is this there's as much as there's a need to socialise, and to do team building stuff, no matter what you do, you're always going to pick something that someone doesn't want to do. And I think yeah. this is where you have got to be collaborative and say you know what I don't like mini golf but I'm going to go and join my team and and, and do it yeah. you know like I hate Tim and bowling but we had a few good nights of temp and bowling, and and I think that's just an open mind or or a not a fixed mindset it's the it's the open mindset you got to have yeah
1: growth
0: mindset growth mindset that was what I was looking for yeah yeah so cool so so I mean we were talking initially about what you what you did in the sense of cto coaching and, and due diligence and i mean i, I don't and, okay.
1: call it coaching actually because i've noticed there's a difference between coaching and what i do and okay. I this is actually so a lot of cto's come to me when they've already had coaching and they've had enough of it so the key complaint i get about coaching from my cto clients is that this is why i call it cto advisory is that the coach says so they raise a problem with the coach and the coach says to them what do you think you should do and the CTO goes, well, what, why am I here? Like the whole reason of me being here is to figure out what to do. And I would really like you to come up with, you know, from your experience to say something or, you know, contribute to this rather than ask me the question back. I've just asked, you you know, and it, it was just like, this is one of the key frustrations that people had with coaches they've worked with in the past. And that's why I don't really consider myself a coach. I don't have a coaching qualification. It's, and I, I don't like, so I think there's two things from my my view, so I could hold a lecture on this.
0: No, go ahead. It's yeah.
1: about helping the person find the answer that's within them, but that they can't find because they can't zoom out or whatever. Yeah. Advising is when you help them find the answer that they don't even realize is an answer. But... It comes because you put in unknowns, unknowns they might not have realized or thought about, you know, because, for example, when I work with a CTO, I also interview their CEO, their CPO and an engineering manager that works for them. So then I know lots of light spots that aren't even aware of. So, you know, I mean, like I bring stuff to the table that a coach would never bring because they have no idea. They would never know this information. Mm. And that's what, so that's why I call it advisory rather than coaching. Sorry, I didn't
0: mean to lecture on that, but actually, no, no, it's, no but that's quite well, you precious about because it's
1: not, you know, I'm not coaching.
0: Well, yeah. well, 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 you answered the question that, that I wanted to ask you. Would because oh. I, don't think, I don't think I don't think I don't think I mean don't get me wrong I've I've had a few coaches in my life and for different things, so I know there's value in coaching. Specifically, yes. and, and and in and in sport, you know, where 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 the coaches are usually called coaches, but they're actually not coaches. They're more like what you're saying. They're more advisory.
1: Exactly, exactly. And they tell and, them exactly how to change the kick, rather than just, oh, how do you think you could, you know, you can do that kick better? So, I don't know. Well, I'm doing the best I can.
0: You, well, you know. well, yes and no, and I, and I think this is the 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 difference is the, is the marriage of experience with the bringing you along the journey piece to it. So, yes, yeah. you can set. So, I mean, I'll use the rugby example at the moment because that's obviously relevant to the world cup. So we've got a guy who's kicking the the coach can do the video analysis of his kicking to see why he's missing. Yeah. But he also has to ask the kicker why he thinks he's missing. Of course. And, yeah. But But then yeah. he can also show him what he's seeing in the analysis and they can both look at the analysis and go, yeah, yeah, I can see you're lining up wrong. I can see you are waiting too long to kick. I can see you getting all, like, too much movement, same as golf, there's too much movement, there's too little movement, whatever it is. Yeah. So that's where where the, the coaching thing kind of blurs into the advisory thing. Yeah. And and a lot of coaches, because they're involved with the team, by default are talking to all the players around that player anyway. So they're already seeing all those blind spots and then the experience kicks in. And, and so I like the way you've, you've positioned it as, as advisory for the same reason that I would be doing it. I'm not a coach either. But, but like the guys that I do end up coaching and I use the word coaching as an act as an active thing
1: yeah.
0: is, is more that I'm involved in all the parts of what they're doing. And I'm just saying, look, you're, you you're not like, you've got to change the way you approach this because, and a good example is I, I said to this guy, you need to provide a weekly update to your boss mm-hmm. that is for the, the four bullet point update, mm-hmm. right? And the four bullet point update is literally four bullet points. Yep. and Not with one report,
1: fifty pages with, each.
0: <laughs> with with one extra thing that says if I had more resources, I could do this oh. thing. And you've got to remember that when you send this email, and I and I had a very good boss who told me this. You've got to remember that the person who's reading this is probably going to read it on their phone. Yeah. So we used to he used to we used to send out each other, we used to send test ma- emails to each other before we sent this this email off to the to the big boss to see how it looked on the phone. Can he read yeah. all the four bullet points on the phone? And then the fifth bullet point which is what I had later on, which is if I had more resources, I could do this thing. Mm-hmm. Because what, what I was trying to say to this guy is that when you get to the crunch time for this thing, yeah. you know, for a decision to be made or whatever it is, you want them to know for a good period of time just the highlights of what's been going on. So when they are getting talking to their peers, when they're talking to their boss, whatever it is, They've always got something to say on this yep. thing. So by the time yep. it gets to a budgetary approval thing, they're not going, why must I approve this million dollar thing? I don't know nothing about this. They're mm-hmm. going, you know what, this has, been, you? This, has, this has been going well or this has had issues for so long, but they've been trying to get through this for so long. And they keep telling me if they had more more money or more resources, I need like a data engineer or a, a data scientist or a, whatever it is, they'd be able to solve this problem five times mm-hmm. quicker you know what, it's a million bucks, but you know what, we'll put a million down and we'll put 500,000 down just in case this needs some more. Because this is something I think will solve a lot because they, they, they've been educated for a long period of time. It's layered learning as opposed to, you know, and this guy was literally writing five page reports <laughs> as an update. And I had to take, I took his five page wow. report and I turned it into four bullet points. Actually, it was actually 12 bullet points. And mm-hmm. I said to you, you've basically written this big thing for like three months worth of work, okay. here are the four bullet points for each month that you would have sent. Yeah.
1: But that's the thing. Nobody likes surprises in the boardroom, in the team meeting and whatever. You know, surprises in business are not a good idea. Even if you say the surprises, I've just won, you know, a million units. I just sold a million units to this customer. Do we have the capability to deliver a million units within that timeframe? You know, it's just surprises should never, you know, surprises are never a good thing in business, I'm saying.
0: No, and and and, and, and 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 you know, another thing I was taught a long time ago is if someone ever gives you something to do, always add value to it. That value could be distilling information from a lot of information down to the most important thing. Yeah. So even just that, you know, five o'clock on a Friday afternoon, this thing has has happened and needs to be escalated, you know, not just not just escalating, not not just forwarding the email, but because it's been sent to you and you can add value to it, the value could be Hey boss, this is coming up. This is bubbling. It's been raised to my attention. It's going to become an issue. Here's what we need to do. I need your help to do this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then obviously there's the follow up. But a lot of people don't do that. They just forward the email on. Yeah. <laughs> and then the boss is going, well, what would you do? Like now you're creating, yeah, like I don't know what to that? do here. Like yeah, what's a decision yeah. I have to make? Like or, or the boss yeah. is going, I don't know, say why well, I've got this guy or girl. So I need to hand this to somebody who can. I need to find someone to handle this for me which is a natural thing when you're when you're not in the in the depth so you lose your credibility because you just forwarded it on and people don't think like that they just think that they've told their yeah. boss i'm fine i'm going it's five, afternoon, five o'clock i'm out of here yeah later
1: so.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah so this has been great chatting with you lena do you want people to to go to your website the geekwhisperer.co uk or do you want to meet you on linkedin what's your preference
1: probably the best is to connect with me on linkedin because my website is updating <laughs> It's way
0: out uh, of date. It doesn't look too bad. I, I was going through it. it. looks pretty good.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just that I need to update you with the stuff that we actually do. If you see none of the products I've mentioned to you is mentioned on the website. So uh, yeah. yeah, clearly. Yeah. So.
0: Founders found found dilemma. Huh? Yeah. That no, looks good. Great. Well, yeah, as I say, yeah. great to chat with you. Super. Yeah. All the best. Hey. Cheers. Thank Bye. You. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.